This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 501 with Mia Hemstad. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 501. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Take Two Minutes, a nonprofit dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messaging to engage you in activities proven to elevate and spark joy. To get started for free, go to Take Two Minutes, that's take number two minutes.org slash shameless, and you can save 15% off their super cute love-inspired apparel for kids and grown-ups by using the code shameless when you shop their site. This episode is brought to you by Homeschool Magnet. If you are a parent who homeschools or a parent who's considering homeschooling, you definitely want to go check out Homeschool Magnet's amazing program and all the ways that they can support you and your child's learning. Go to homeschoolmagnet.com and join the growing waitlist. Mia Hemstad is a wife and a shameless mom of a two-year-old and a four-year-old. She works full-time as a social justice activist and runs her personal company online where she talks about her daily life with PTSD and depression and the importance of doing the hard inner work of overcoming trauma and taking care of yourself. A recovering perfectionist and people pleaser, Mia wants women to learn to take back their power by making themselves a priority. Mia's raw and honest content about mental health and stepping into her power has earned her features in media outlets such as Romper, Parents.com, Cafe Mom, and several others. Some of Mia's favorite pastimes include trying out new coffee shops, taking naps, watching anything about food, and buying yet another journal from the planner section at Target. I have been really, really looking forward to have Mia come for this conversation. I found Mia via Rachel Nielsen, who has the 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms podcast, and I started following her on Instagram. And every single post and every single story that she shares has deep impact. Like she does not mince words. She (laughs) says it like it is. And she shows up in some of the most raw, vulnerable ways I've seen anyone show up on social media. And so I've been very excited for this conversation because I know it's going to have so much value for so many people. And so I'm really, really excited to dig in. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dig into PTSD. We're going to talk about depression, anxiety. We're going to be talking about mental health, and we're going to be talking about identity around all those things. It's big and heavy stuff. And also we have a lot of fun. So I'm really excited. And I think you're going to love this conversation. Listen in to hear Mia share 
about her identity. So she was born into a family of 11 children, born in Guam into an African Caribbean Mexican German family. That's a lot of identity components, right? So we dig into that. And then we talk about what it was like to be an American living in Guam, watching the mainland US from afar. She shares her journey through PTSD, depression, and suicidal ideation. She talks about how she was diagnosed with anxiety and depression and how it changed her life. She talks about why she decided to start talking about her mental health publicly. She talks about how you can catch yourself in perfectionism and let it go. She shares the difference between self-care and nourishment. Oh, I loved this part. And she shares about women who are stuck in comparison versus seeking camaraderie. This was another really great aha. I think that we kind of had together as we were having the conversation around where we get stuck in comparison and where we're missing out on opportunities for camaraderie when we do get stuck in comparison. So this is an amazing conversation. You might want to listen more than once. You probably want to take a few notes. And with all that said, let's welcome Mia Hempstead to the Shameless Mom Academy. Mia, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm really excited and really honored to have you here today. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I think we booked this interview over a month ago and I have been anxiously and excitedly waiting for this day to talk to a shameless mom, a powerful woman. Like I really, I've been admiring you from afar. I actually learned about you earlier this year. So seeing you follow me and then ask me to do this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is like surreal. So thank you. Oh my gosh, the adoration is very mutual. So we (laughs) connected through Rachel Nielsen, who has the three and 30 takeaways for moms podcast. And I think it was just through me, one of us seeing the other person engaging with Rachel's content, maybe that I we started following each other. I don't totally remember that piece. But I do remember that like, (laughs) from the very first post of yours that I saw, I was like, Oh, I want to know her more. (laughs) And since then, I've been just loving and really deeply appreciating your content. Thank you so much. And I love, I just really appreciate all of your amazing comments on my posts. And to just know that when I'm pouring my heart out, (laughs) that someone is really seeing and appreciating it, it just means a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, I love it so much. It's so fun to make new internet friends. (laughs) So especially during this time, I value my internet friends. (laughs) I know, I know. We never knew how special they would be to us. I know. So tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. I love that question. I've been hearing you ask it in your other podcast interviews. So dynamic between my personal and professional life. Right now, I am just doing my very best to show up at work as best as I can and show for my kids. I was a full-time stay-at-home mom before the pandemic hit. So then my husband and I, we shifted roles because he lost his job because of the pandemic. So I'm still, I feel like in this phase of navigating what it's like being a full-time work-from-home mom and just trying to navigate that and the resurfacing mom guilt. Like I tackled mom guilt, but now I'm dealing with it as a working mom. So I've really just been trying to set a lot of boundaries in terms of like safeguarding my rest and also protecting my work time. So the dynamic has been interesting, but I would say overall pretty smooth because my husband, because he's not working, I have full-time childcare, which I know so many women do not have. So I would say overall, like it's been pretty good, the dynamic. So I'm really lucky, but it shifts every single day, right? So I just take each day. Yes. Even when we live in that gratitude, we're like, I know I'm really lucky. And also. Oh yeah. I mean, I just posted something the other day. I was like, listen, I can be grateful for all I have and also acknowledge this shit sandwich that I'm being dealt right now because of like my lack of sleep, which I know we'll talk about later with like my mental health and stuff. But yeah, it's been turbulent times. And so I would say like every day I just say like, how are you doing today? Like not yesterday, but like things can change so fast. Yeah. Oh, and what am I most excited about right now? I booked a two day getaway in like a glamorous cabin. I don't want to say glamorous, but it's like a tiny house that's in the woods by that company getaway. And it's my very first like actual vacation. I mean, my kids will be coming with me, (laughs) but I've never really splurged on vacation. I've really been tackling debt. So I'm honestly most excited about getting out of the city because I live in the city and being around nature in early December and just like making s'mores over a campfire. So that's what I'm excited about. (laughs) So fun. Okay, so how old are your kids? Can you remind me? 
Yeah, my son Charlie is four and my daughter Ellie is two. Oh my gosh, like such a fun age for Cabin in the Woods and making s'mores. <laughs> I am so excited for them to be nature because they've really only been in the city. So, and I grew up like in the boonies. I'm from Guam, it's a tiny island. The U.S. territory. So I grew up in the boonies. And so I need to return to the boonies. I need it for my soul. So I just literally, when I booked it, I envisioned my children just being able to explore and just being surrounded by trees. And it just made my heart so happy. So I'm so excited for that. Oh, that'll be so nice. Okay. I love that you just mentioned Guam because that's what we're going to talk about next. So I was totally shocked. You sent me, when, when I send people my interview form to fill out, mm-hmm. they send back kind of the things they want to talk about. And I had a sense of what you want to talk about. And then you put this little note at the bottom that was like, I don't know if you want to touch on any of this, but just an FYI. I was like, oh, this is like all I want to talk about. (laughs) So (laughs) in there, you throw in that you're one of 11 children, which is in and of itself, like an entire interview that we could do. And also that you were born in Guam and into an African Caribbean Mexican German family. So holy cow, there's like all these elements of identity in there that I'm just completely fascinated by. So can you talk a little bit about your identity around all those pieces. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I always wonder, you know, it's one of those things where we have things about ourselves that we're not sure if they're special. And I think this is something that I've just decided this is special about me. <laughs> and so yes. if there's ever a question in an interview form, it's like, is there anything else we're missing? I'm like, well, <laughs> here are some things. Yeah, so I'm from a really big family and I'm actually the middle child. Well, like in the middle there and with grew up with a lot of different cultures. So it's weird. I very much identify with my African Caribbean background because I'm half that. And then I'm a quarter Mexican and a quarter German. And my mom is the African Caribbean one. So she was a full-time stay-at-home mom. And I think that affected why I identify so much with that background because she was the one cooking, right? You know, she was the one influencing me the most because I was with her the most. So I absolutely adore my African Caribbean heritage. And then when I moved out to California years ago, I started to spend time with my grandmother who's has that Mexican background. So then I started to really start to connect with that. But first and foremost, being born and raised in Guam for 18 years, I identified as a Pacific Islander, but I never really could fully mesh into that culture because people knew I didn't look like them. So every day of my life, pretty much, someone always was asking me where I was from. So it was weird being a kid that felt like I'm from here. Like I'm born and raised here. I'm from here. Mm -hmm. And to have the people who are also from there ask where I'm from. So from a really young age, I kind of have always faced that like struggle to belong because I just didn't really have, there wasn't really strong cultural connections in my home. And I really wanted to connect with being a Pacific Islander, but that was challenging. But I read Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness a couple of years ago, and I just cried for most of it because I realized I needed to work on belonging to myself. So I see it as a strength because as lonely as it was to not feel like I belonged to an extended family because we didn't live next to any extended family and to not feel like I belonged to any community which can be really lonely, it also strengthened me in a way because then I had to learn early on to just create my own dynamics and way of walking through the world. Because as you know, a lot of us, when we grow up next to our extended family and our culture, we take on the cultural ideologies, beliefs, and systems. But I didn't have that. So I very much had to kind of figure all of that out myself. And it was a really lonely and crazy world that not a lot of people understand but it's one that I think makes me really unique. So thanks for asking the question. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, A contrast to that is I have a good friend who grew up in a Filipina family Mm -hmm. and large extended family here in Seattle. And there was so many things that her family would do. I remember her, she lost a grandparent when we were in our like late 20s, maybe. And for like 30 days in a row, the whole family got together to say the rosary. And I remember another friend and I, we were like trying to get together to do something social. And she's like, oh, I can't because we're on like day 27 of the rosary. And we were, my friend and I were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but we had this like aha around like, holy cow, this family tradition and sense of belonging was wow. so deeply entrenched. And to be a part of a big family where that's just it's a given and it's there and it's built in. Yeah. So I can understand the contrast that you would feel without that. And also having this like really unique identity or multiple facets of your identity and then not having that place to connect them all. 
Yeah. And another thing I actually want to bring up is I had a teacher tell me like, oh, you're a third culture kid. And I actually really appreciated that because it gave me vocabulary to describe myself. Oh, and what can you explain that? Yeah. So a third culture person means that you have two different, very distinct cultures. So for me, that would be the Mexican side of my family and the African Caribbean side of my family. So I knew I was those things. But then I also was born and raised into the Chamorro culture, which is what the native people of Guam are. And Chamorro, like Guam is also predominantly Filipino as well. There's a lot of Filipino people that live there and that are married to tomorrow. So actually, whenever I hear a Filipino speak, I feel a sense of comfort. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie about that. I like literally I'm like, Oh, your accent makes me feel like I'm home. <laughs> yeah, so I realized that I have a different perspective on the world. So also, because Guam is a US territory, I'm also American. And the crazy thing about that is being American, but not living in the continental US means that I was able to look at America a little more objectively. And I felt very estranged from and confused by continental US people. <laughs> that doesn't surprise like I can't relate to that experience. But that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So I remember thinking when I moved here, like, wow, I really don't understand these people. Like they think they're the biggest country in the world. They think they're like the most important most powerful, best country in the world. And I love the pride and I'm proud to be an American. But I also remember thinking that Americans struggle to kind of see that there are other cultures out there that are also very important. 100%. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like this weird dynamic where it's like, I feel like Americans struggle to realize that they can be proud of their country, but also very respectful and honoring of other cultures and other countries. And so I remember just feeling like I couldn't speak that out loud because other people were like, oh, you're not proud to be an American. It's like, oh, Lord of mercy. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I just, I, I don't know how that's, that relates to this interview, but I felt like it was just important to bring up, like maybe someone else can relate to moving here and feeling like, I love being American, but I also love being from the Pacific Islands and I love being black and I love being Mexican and I can love all those things and not feel like I'm less important because I'm not white. <laughs> right. No, I so appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you pointing out that sense that what it sounds like, the sense of that the mainland states, many people or many citizens have a sense of kind of, I would say maybe entitlement or being too big for their britches. And I think that's not surprising for me to hear that. And I think that's something that we need to hear and listen to. That's why I wanted to bring it up, even though I'm like, okay, I know I talk a lot about mental health, but I have been talking more and more about social justice, obviously, because of the current climate we're living in. And I think it's important to point out the fact that I think the reason why racism has gone on for so long is because, you know, if white Americans feel like everything is great and they're the best people in the whole world, then of course, they're not going to see any problems in their culture or in the way that the country is run. They're not going to see any reason to change things. And I want to say, hey, there's a whole lot of people out in the world that are looking at us like, I don't understand your president. I don't understand what y'all are doing. I don't understand the way you treat black people and brown people. And I'm just like, you know, like, let's open our eyes here and realize that we don't always get it right. If we're going to keep evolving as a country, we need to realize that there are some things that need to be fixed. So that's my take on that. I totally appreciate that. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So one of the things that drew me to your content and your leadership is your identity around your openness around your identity as it relates to your own mental health. Mm -hmm. And you talk a lot about PTSD and depression and you talk about like the struggles with getting out of bed. And one of the things we talked about before we started recording today was you do these videos often in your Instagram stories around making your bed. Yeah. And I'm like, I love that you are creating content for people that are having a hard time getting out of bed. Like, I think that it's so different for someone like me who's like, here's three steps to feel better on a bad day, which is like so tied up with a cute little bow that if you're having a really bad day, you're just like, screw you and your rainbow. <laughs> so I love that you're like, oh, today's a really bad day. And like the mountain I'm going to climb today is making my bed. And that's so real. So can you talk about your journey with PTSD and depression and kind of where that has come from and where you're at right now? Thank you for acknowledging all that and seeing all that. It's so cool to hear about how other people perceive my content because I don't even think, oh, I'm making content for the people who can't make get out of bed. Like, I'm not even thinking of that. I'm just being myself. Like, my commitment on Instagram, like, if anyone has, like, tried to create content consistently, you know you end up in this place. Like, you end up in this rock and a hard place where you're just like, what do I say? Mm -hmm. Who am I being? What is my brand? And all of that shit just started to really exhaust me. And I am a person who lives every day with PTSD and depression. And I thought, listen, Mia, if you're going to be out here every day, you got to just be yourself. And so that's really what it came from. And the making the bed thing, I didn't realize how impactful it would be until I just started doing it every day. Because to be honest, Sarah, I was able to put my phone down, press the hands free button, do something that I already needed to do for myself. And I thought, why not just show people that? So it was a way for me to easily create content that was authentic to myself without having to like hold my phone up and deliver all these bullet points. And listen, I love me a good bullet pointed list. And I'm the kind of friend that it's hard. You know, my husband wants to tell me how he's feeling. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about that? You know, and I'm just like, hold on, Mia, like extend to him the same compassion and just listen and be like, that sucks. I'm sorry. So, you know, know that I'm not always like in it with everyone. I am. I'm, I am kind of a fixer. I am a recovering perfectionist. But my journey with PTSD and depression has been a long one. I've kind of always had anxiety and started dealing with depression. I think it was 2013, but I didn't get formally diagnosed until last year. I was really scared to get diagnosed. I honestly didn't know how or who to go to to get diagnosed, which is like a whole other journey and something that I talk about a lot on my YouTube channel and et cetera, because I think some people DM me and they're like, I don't even know who to go to to get diagnosed. I'm like, listen, that's because no one tells us these things. So it's just been a journey where there's a lot of ups and downs. And for instance, I had gotten to a place where I had not had chronic nightmares anymore. So chronic nightmares is something that people with PTSD struggle with. And basically the way I describe it, it's like you're watching a horror TV show where like, you know how Netflix just plays an episode, whether you like it or not, and you don't get to turn it off. And they're extremely vivid and mentally and emotionally draining. And so I might wake up feeling like I didn't sleep at all. So it kind of feels like you're pulling all-nighters and you wake up with knots in your stomach because you were running for your life the whole nightmare. So it really sucks. And there was a good portion of this year where I didn't have nightmares with a combination of trauma therapy and EMDR and really working on myself and medication. I had peeled back that layer, but then now another layer has shown itself of my trauma, right? You might be, I was like reminded of something that happened in my childhood and now I got to go through all of this again. But the thing that brings me hope is that I have been through this before. There was a time when I'm like, these chronic nightmares are ruling my life and I was suicidal because you get to a point where you're so tired and there's no relief, 
right? Sleep is where our body does so many important functions. It's when our body processes things that happen to us. It's where our body repairs cells and all sorts of things happen in sleep. And if you're not getting it, it truly starts to make you feel sick and like you just can't function. And I was going through all that while being a stay-at-home mom full time. And that was just brutal. And so medication at that point in my life became essential. It really saved me. It completely helped me manage my symptoms and things like that, which is why I highly encourage people to go get, you know, a clinical evaluation and see if that's something that you need to just get through this rough time. So I'm in a rough time again right now, if I'm being honest. And it sucks because that wasn't the plan, Sarah, right? (laughs) You didn't plan that for 2020? No. Okay. Like the pandemic already came out of left field. Like, can we seriously have a break here? But you know what? I've learned to be accepting of myself. I used to be like, I hate this brain and I hate this body. Why can't they just do what I want them to? But this is the unique struggle that I have. And I think it's so much easier to get through challenges when we are compassionate with ourselves instead of beating ourselves up, right? The nightmares are already beating me up. The anxiety, the depression is already hard. So I'm like, let's make this easier on you, girl. So I am doing everything I can to practice self-care. I've been taking a little bit more sick days from work. I'm really grateful I work somewhere that's extremely understanding and flexible. And I've been doing things like booking a getaway, which I've never done for myself. And I'm actually thinking of booking a two day hotel stay alone. Yes. Oh my gosh. You have to. I'm giving that is your homework from this interview. That is your homework and your reward. Thank you. You have to do that. (laughs) I need it. I need some space to be by myself because even though my husband is the most supportive person and he's watching the kids all day, just hear, you know, we're moms, just hearing any sort of dysfunction, you think you feel like you just like have to go out there and solve the problem, right? Even though. No one's asking you to, but I'm just like, I just really want to get away. So yeah, it kind of messed with my, I was about to launch my signature program, No Longer Last, and I was super pumped it was going to be my second launch, and I had to announce that I was postponing the launch. Like, I don't even know when I'm relaunching it, the wait list is still open, but as an entrepreneur, as someone who's type A and extremely ambitious, that was really hard for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So like know that, you know, people with mental illness, it just feels like either your options are to push through and act like you can function at the same level as other people or you just quit altogether. And I want to say, how about we throw all that out? How about we stop being perfectionists here? And how about we just be honest that listen, there's a pandemic and I have PTSD and depression and I really want to serve people and create these beautiful things. But I also know that I can rest instead of quitting and I will come back stronger if I take care of myself. So I think that it's really a day-to-day thing and I try to be honest as possible about it because one of the things I am a huge proponent of is that mental illness is it's not a life sentence. It's not a death sentence. It doesn't mean your life is over. I think it just means we have to live a little differently. So hopefully I am helping people see that in the way that I'm showing up. This episode is supported by Take Two Minutes. So Take Two Minutes is a nonprofit that is dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messages to engage you in activities that create happiness and joy. They're research-backed activities that help you create happiness and joy. So this is time sensitive today though because they also have a merch store with love gear where you can get leggings and joggers and hoodies and t-shirts and crop tops and beanies and hats. They have kids gear and women's gear and men's gear. And it's all amazing, great stuff for the holidays. So if you are in need of some gifts, I want you to go shop their merch. And this is the last day you can order. Wednesday, December 9th is the last day you can order in order to get things in time for Christmas. And so if you know that you want a few more things for your kids, your partner, a little hat for your head, a stocking stuffer or two, go check this out. You're going to go to take2minutes.org slash shameless and use the code shameless at checkout to save 15% on your order, okay? While you're there, I want you to also sign up to use Take Two Minutes to get their positivity messages. So Take Two Minutes as a service is totally free. So when you go to their site, you drop in your phone number and then you start getting their automatic daily positivity messages. I get mine every morning at 7 a.m. You get to schedule when you wanna receive them. And it's a little pick me up for the day. It like reminds you to be grounded and centered on what matters most first thing in the morning. So I love getting my messages every morning at 7 a.m. From there, you can also engage in other activities on the site. So there's gratitude journaling and daily meditations, 
grounding exercises, and their really awesome three good things exercise. There's tons of stuff that you can do with Intake Two Minutes on their site to help you cultivate more joy and happiness, even during the wild holiday times, which are supposed to be naturally joyful, but often aren't because they're just really stressful and chaotic. So I want you to go check out Take Two Minutes. I want you to go get your Take Two Minutes love merch, all their cute goodies by going to take2minutes.org. That's take2, the number two, minutes.org slash shameless. And then use the code shameless at checkout for 15% off your order. That's take2minutes.org slash shameless. Use the code shameless at checkout to save 15% off your order. That's take2minutes.org slash shameless, code shameless at checkout. Okay, a couple things I want to touch on. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to touch on. For the sake of time, I'll pick a couple. But um, (laughs) so many great nuggets in there. So I appreciate all that so much. One of the things I wanted to just share is a parallel experience. I also have struggled with sleep my entire life for different reasons, I think. Not necessarily trauma-based. But I can speak to surviving for long periods on very little sleep. And what that feels like, and also how I think as a high achiever woman and the way women are conditioned to just, and especially moms, to tell yourself like, it's okay, I just need to get through the day and I just need to get through this and like this just need to get through attitude. And I finally got on medication to sleep a few years ago and it's been such a game changer and I didn't realize, and I think this is often the case with all sorts of different mental illnesses, Mm -hmm. is that I didn't realize what a difference it would make until I did it and then I was real frustrated that I didn't do it like 10 years earlier. (laughs) You go through that period where you're like kicking yourself or not doing it. You're like, okay, I didn't know what I knew, what I know now. Right. It's okay you know, oh, I hear you. Like I was kicking myself when I started meds last year and I'm like, why did I live in so much suffering for so long? Yeah. I think there's a whole bunch of myths and baggage around meds that I could break down that in a whole other podcast episode. But it really is, it's a form of self-love to take that risk. You know, people are like, taking meds is risky. I'm like, living undiagnosed and untreated is risky. So I'm sorry. There was a time when I would be driving my kids and I'd be like, I don't even remember where I drove from or how I got here. Like, how dangerous is that? Yeah. You know, all because we're giving into this societal BS that, you know, meds is not good and go the natural route and whatever. And listen, I go to acupuncture and I get my vaccine. So I'm about both. So (laughs) it's sad how much I honestly think a lot of us are conditioned to live in suffering. And that's something I'm trying to totally help women to stop doing. Okay, we need to stop. We literally normalize living in suffering and then try to make it a badge of honor. And it's just like, I'm done with that crap. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the other thing I wanted to go back to was PTSD and share what you're comfortable with and leave out the rest. But I'm curious if you could share a little bit about getting to the point of diagnosis or Mm -hmm. I guess the reason I'm asking is because I think there's people think that PTSD is something that is like for war veterans or like hot, I don't want to say high stakes trauma. That's not like the right word, but like, no, I hear you really massive trauma that everyone, you know, like it's just a handful of very, very big, huge life events. And I, and I don't know where yours stems from, but I also think that there are many people who are watching walking around with PTSD from more like quiet, insidious things or quiet things that other people. So I'll use the example of my parents getting divorced. I don't know that I have PTSD from that, but my parents had this very amicable divorce. And for most of my life, I was like, oh, well, it was friendly, so it didn't affect me. Right. And now at 45, I'm like, oh, it didn't matter that it was friendly. It still affected me. And I think that's the thing with PTSD is sometimes we think, well, if I didn't have this big, huge, acute event that like, well, I don't have that. Right. And so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about diagnosis and how you, if you want to share particulars about your experience previous or just what you've seen with other people with PTSD as well, kind of the spectrum. That is a great question. And I'm so glad you asked because that's one of the first things people do is they say, well, I shouldn't really complain because I know someone who went through something way worse. Mm -hmm. And can we please stop the comparison? It is not doing you any good. I'm talking to all the shameless moms listening to this. It is not helping you in any way, shape or form. So let's just ditch the comparison. Secondly, like all mental illnesses, and again, I'm not a psychiatrist, but this is my experience, my understanding, like all mental illnesses, there's a spectrum, right? You can have depression and someone else can have depression that causes them to feel suicidal every day. And you could have depression that causes you just not to want to get out of bed and have difficulty motivating yourself to do things. There's a spectrum for everything. There's a spectrum for anxiety. There's a spectrum for all mental illness. So I was actually shocked when my diagnosis of PTSD as well. I as well thought it was only for war veterans and things like that. But 
that's not true. If you actually do the research, it, like everything else, there's just like a list of symptoms. And if you check all those boxes, then you have some degree of PTSD. So for me, you know, it's tough talking about this stuff because I don't want to like get in trouble. But I do want to say that as a child, I did not receive the care that I deserved. And there was also some abuse that happened. And so I had no way to process it. And I was also homeschooled. And so I was extremely isolated. And so I didn't really have any other examples where I could look at someone else and go, oh, like those people are treated differently than me. Like, why am I not treated that way? So it was extremely isolating and also just a very difficult experience. And it just caused lots of layers because it lasted for a very long time. So there's all those layers. And then things just kind of got compounded as like adult stress started happening. I moved out, I went to school and I went to college. And then, you know, I was getting ready to get married. I got married really young and I just a lot of stuff started to surface. And then I had to start dealing with it because the nightmare started, the panic attacks started and things like that. But I didn't come to diagnosis. Like I thought, okay, I have anxiety and depression. But I went to a psychiatrist to get a clinical evaluation because I was sick and tired of going to primary care physicians who were not doing any sort of evaluation, were just prescribing me meds left and right that weren't working, weren't really meeting me where I was at, weren't really trying to help me. And, you know, maybe there's some great PCPs out there, but I haven't met any yet. (laughs) So it's really unfortunate. And I was super fortunate that I went to this conference on maternal mental health. And one of the speakers was a psychiatrist. And I loved her approach. She talked about how women live in so much suffering because of all this baggage around medication, how it could actually be alleviating their symptoms. And she's the one who introduced me to the idea that living with an untreated mental illness is actually extremely damaging because we think about the symptoms a medication could cause, but we don't think about the symptoms that are being caused on our body from untreated mental illness. So for instance, what does lack of sleep do to you? What does living in a constant state of anxiety do to you where you have the hormone cortisol pumping into your brain and your body all day? What does, you know, being depressed and not being able to make yourself a decent meal or get up and exercise, what is that doing to your long-term health? And so I started to really look at all that and thought, oh my goodness, I need to actually take this seriously. And it was a miracle. This woman was actually in my network for my health insurance. So I was able to make an appointment with her. So I felt good about it because I felt like I understand her philosophy and I can trust this woman. And so two months of waiting, but I finally got in. She did an hour and a half clinical evaluation on me, asked me all about my life history, and then was able to diagnose me and put me on a medication that treats both anxiety and depression simultaneously. And she actually put me on a pediatric level dose because she believes it's important to start at the lowest dose possible and work your way up to see if you need more. And the pediatric level dose has actually been all that I've needed. So that's pretty incredible as well because you hear about people being overprescribed. So I think You know, when I talk to people about getting diagnosed, they say, listen, like your primary care physician might give you a 10 question questionnaire to evaluate if you have anxiety or depression, but it's really not enough. You really should go to a specialist, especially if you're considering taking medication. I don't want a primary care physician prescribing me mental health drugs when they didn't study that like in school. So it just was a whole different level of treatment and care that I highly encourage people to do and see it as an investment in your well-being and your health. It completely transformed my life when I started taking that medication. And then from there, I also started doing trauma therapy. So it's been a long journey, but one that, yeah, I'm just trying to make lemonade from all this crap. (laughs) I'm just trying to do my best with it. You know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, there's a silver lining and everything. But I think one of the things that helps me process is by making, by sharing what I learn as I learn it. So that's one of the reasons. I mean, why do you think like a lot of artists create art? It's just a way of us being able to communicate like what happened and what's going on with us. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, that was really, really helpful and insightful and really encouraging. And I love that you made the point about what the impact on our lives and our entire family's lives and our close friends and everyone around us when we are when we're trying to navigate undiagnosed thinking like we can just white knuckle it through. Yeah, I think that's it's that's so important to look at the cost of that. And that message permeates our culture. I'm sorry if I might interject, like, there's this attitude that women and moms were just not trying hard enough. Oh my freaking gosh, am I sick of that? Like, yeah. Maybe you're actually just exhausted because you're having nightmares or you're not sleeping well. Maybe you actually are struggling with anxiety, but it's become normal for you. Maybe you're struggling 
to make that meal that you've always wanted to make for your family because you have depression and going to the store feels like an enormous mountain to climb. And so I think that it all starts with self-awareness of what you're dealing with day to day and then self-acceptance, like I'm having a hard time. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I think so many people don't want to admit they're having a hard time. They just want to be like, yeah, I'm having a hard time, but I could do better if I just tried harder. Right. And, you know, as somebody who I studied so hard to because I had no one was going to pay for my schooling. So I basically from the age of 14 onward was studying until 2 a.m. consistently in order to get high scores on tests and things to get scholarships to go to college. Then I was valedictorian of my university and all this stuff. I'm a very hard worker. And so I very much adopted this mentality that I just need to try harder. And then that mentality almost killed me last year. You know, I was suicidal. I was exhausted. And I had to just like, I don't want to say give in, but just accept myself for where I was. And one of the books that helped me with that was this book called Radical Acceptance. It was extremely helpful in my healing journey. It helped me to, I just, it introduced me to the concept of self-compassion. I had never learned of it before and how much more productive it is in getting ourselves what we need, which is now what I'm just trying to make sure people understand. I'm always asking people on my Instagram, what do you need today? And people are like, I have never been asked that question. Oh, and there's people that can't answer that question. I mean, moms in particular, like yes. moms can't say what their favorite color is. They can only think of, oh, well, my son's favorite color is blue. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a whole, I could literally go into that on a rant for like a whole nother episode, but I want to make sure that <laughs> you get to ask all the questions that you want. But yes, that is a huge problem. And it's one that I took several months. I would, I called it my weekly self-care day. I would leave on a Sunday or a Saturday, go to a coffee shop with a journal and just start writing about things I felt and things I wanted and things I needed. And I allowed myself to be impractical and unrealistic. And it was through that weekly self-care date that I really got to know what I wanted and what I needed. Because yes, when we become mothers, especially, we literally throw all of that out the door. So it took time to nurture that. And I try to remind people of that, that all of this takes time. Absolutely. This episode is supported by Homeschool Magnet. So maybe you have been considering homeschooling or maybe you are homeschooling and it's not going so well and you could use some support. I know that there's so many children and parents who are struggling with education right now because things are just so in flux and it's 
frustrating and it's exhausting and it's confusing. Oh my gosh, it's so much to manage. And you might be feeling that massive burden of, and sense of responsibility on your shoulders. And maybe you never wanted to be a teacher and you find yourself in this position of really having to either supplement what your child's school is doing that's not working so well, or you've decided to try to go it on your own and, and it's hard. <laughs> it's harder than you thought. You never planned on being someone who had lesson plans and had to learn things in advance in order to teach them to your kids and then tutor your children and then grade everything. That's a lot, right? So Homeschool Magnet supports homeschooling families by providing students with instruction from world-class credentialed teachers in a remote classroom. So they have this completely dialed in. They have their four common core subject areas of math, English language arts, science, and social studies. So you get your common core subjects that we all know, love, and need dialed into the curriculum. And you as the parent get to go in and decide who the best fit teacher for your child is. And you get to make choices as you go to make sure that your student child is in the best environment possible. On top of that, Homeschool Magnet integrates in homeroom style video calls so that there is a social element to what they're doing with homeschooling as well so that your child doesn't have to be sitting at home totally isolated during this homeschool experience. So if you've been needing some support, Homeschool Magnet has got you covered. With Homeschool Magnet, you get the freedom and the control of homeschooling without the burden. Homeschool Magnet is also only a fraction of the cost of private schools, and they have a 30-day money-back guarantee upon enrollment, which means that this choice is risk-free. Tuition and enrollment are all per semester, so you're committing to a short period of time, giving you even more flexibility and control to shape your child's education, especially right now when things are so wonky from month to month and we don't know quite what's happening. You can get some stability for a short amount of time, see if it works, and make another decision after that to see what you need to do next. So to learn more about Homeschool Magnet student experience, go to homeschoolmagnet.com, and you can join their waitlist and get more information from them by going to the little button in the upper right corner to get more info. You fill out a little form. You click on when it says, where did you hear about us? Click on podcast and then you submit. It's super simple. And then from there, you're going to get more, all the information that you need. So go to homeschoolmagnet.com to get started. That's homeschoolmagnet.com. Can you talk about what motivated you to start sharing all of this online? This is like vulnerable. I mean, the layers of vulnerability are first of all, just, you know, frequently sharing your diagnoses and then also showing like how you're coping in real time in really raw ways. Yeah. That's a lot of vulnerability. So what motivated you to start sharing that and what's been hard about sharing that? And also what's been, these are like three questions in a row now. And also what have been the biggest gifts? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for asking that. So Brene Brown. <laughs> mm, love, love, love her. Of course. Oh my gosh. Can I just give her a hug? I know she says she's introverted and she doesn't like wanting. <laughs> she doesn't want your hug. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like, gosh, you know, Oh, I went to one of her talks after I had read several of her books, but I just could have cried sitting there. I actually am in the Netflix special of uh, call the courage. So I'm plugging myself there <laughs> when they were talking. Oh my gosh. I have to go watch again now. <laughs> I know I was a little bit heavier at the time. So you might not recognize me. I really short hair a little heavier, but it was funny. It was like the, she was talking about how like black people shouldn't have to like create the tables to talk about the issues that white people have caused. But she didn't say black and white. She kind of used generic terms, but I knew what she was talking about. And they like cut to the two only black people in the audience. So it's just me and my friend. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, it was so good though. It was so good. It was one of the first things I did for myself where I bought myself a ticket to go see her and how many of us moms struggle to buy anything for ourselves. So that's just a side note. Like we got to start doing that. We got to do that more for ourselves. But so she just talked about her message of, I would rather choose courage over comfort. I would rather be in the arena living my life and living a life of courage and, you know, not keeping my mouth shut. And the thing is, well, I actually have to take it back just a little bit more. So after I had my son four years ago, I was experiencing postpartum depression. I was extremely suicidal. And the only thing keeping me alive was the idea of leaving my husband to be a single father. Like I couldn't do that to him, but I was just really struggling to bond and connect. And I had opened up about my depression with other people and people just told me, you just have the baby blues. You're fine. Everyone was just telling me I was fine. And again, like I said, valedictorian studied super hard since I was 14. Like I was used to being extremely self-sufficient. So I guess people were just like, Mia will be fine. So it was a very lonely time. It was also extremely hard for me to communicate to my husband what I was feeling. At that point in my life, even though I knew I was struggling with stuff, I still didn't know how to express it. I didn't have the vocabulary. And that's one of the things I love about Dr. Brene Brown. She gives so many of us the vocabulary to express things. So 
I was listening to the La La Land soundtrack at the time on YouTube. Love the La La Land soundtrack. <laughs> so good. So good. I like, I danced like a crazy person to it. And my sister was like, oh my gosh, did you memorize all the choreography? And I was like, I'm literally making this up as I go. This is how much is imbued in my soul. But seriously. So then, okay. And I also lived under a rock because I studied so much. I didn't know that you could watch. I didn't know what a vlogger was. I didn't know there were vloggers on YouTube. So this one vlogger had made a cover to one of the La La Land songs. And so her channel was recommended to me. And so I'm like, what is this vlogger thing? And so one of her videos came up and it was titled, I am depressed today. And I was like, what? Someone is talking about depression on the internet? And I clicked on it and she was just talking about what it feels like to be depressed. And it was the first time in my life that I heard somebody describe that feeling. And just feeling like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. Really gave me the little boost I needed to keep going and to keep searching for help and to talk to my husband about it again. And from that moment really is when I decided that sharing our stories actually saves people's lives. And so even though it is really uncomfortable for me to share, especially when I'm not like, I'm doing great, everybody. And listen, like I'm doing awesome. And this is why you should follow me. It's just like the last few weeks I've been having to post like, I'm not doing great. (laughs) And that's been really hard because there's always a question that pops in my head. That's like, Oh, are you incapable now? Are you not as strong? It's like, fuck that. I'm sorry. Can I curse on this show? I'm sorry. I was like, F that. I am strong because as Brene Brown says, the person who's in the arena actually being who they really are, not being afraid to be who they really are is strong. And so that's really where the root, like every time I have to come back, like every time I feel like I just want to walk away from the internet, I don't know if you felt this, Sarah, like you just have days where you're like, I'm just going to like walk away from all of this public image stuff and just like go be like a normal person that works like in an office. And I know that sounds really boring. I literally thought that like an hour before we started recording. Oh my God. <laughs> this is like, I am in multiple circles with other entrepreneurs and these are conversations I'm constant, that all of us are constantly having. Like I'll be having a good day and then a friend of mine will Marco Polo me and be like, I think I'm going to go work at Starbucks. I'm like, yep, that was me yesterday. Like, <laughs> So I think it's super common. Uh-huh. I'm like, there are a lot of coffee shops near me. I could walk to where I could bike. I could wear, you know, flannel every day. Anyway, no, it's a thing. So I come back to that, that literally somebody sharing about their day being depressed saved my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know I can do that for other people. And listen, I'm really fortunate. There's actually a lot of beautiful souls on the internet. And I get DMs almost every single day. People saying like, Thank you so much for your account. Like it makes me feel less alone or makes like literally I get messages almost every day from people saying I make my bed because of you. Like I get out of bed and make my bed because I think about you doing it and how hard it is for you, but you do it. Or I've had moms message me and say like, I really didn't want to exercise today, but I did 10 minutes of yoga because I see you doing it with your kids, like hanging on you and you're like surrounded by toys. And it just made me realize, number one, it's okay to be me. I don't need to have this pristine, perfectly Instagram worthy home with interior decorating. (laughs) And you know, in the morning I'm like kicking Legos away so I can put my yoga mat down. Number two, we can fit self-care in amongst our lives. We don't need to buy into this crap that we got to get on a flight to Tibet to like have a 30-day yoga retreat, although that would be great. It's not realistic. So I'm all about showing up the way I actually am (laughs) so that people know that they can work with what they have. One of my biggest mottos is you do the best you can with the time and energy you have. That is like the main antidote to perfectionism and perfectionism is what I think keeps a lot of us just like not taking care of ourselves because we're all like all or nothing. I mean, I've had people tell me like, well, I just thought that if I don't have an hour to exercise, then what's the point? It's like, well, yeah, if your goal for exercising is like having a certain type of body or burning a certain number of calories, then I see that. But if your goal for exercising is just loving yourself, then 10 minutes of yoga is enough. Absolutely. So yeah, that those are the beautiful, that's the gift in the sharing is that knowing that what I'm doing is helping people, but also it's helping me to share. It also motivates me to keep going. And it makes me feel like I want to keep showing up for other people who maybe, you know, we all do this, we're having a really crap day, and we open our Instagram app, hoping that maybe we'll come across something that might inspire us to get out of bed. Because sometimes Instagram can do that. Like last week, I was really down. And I was on Instagram in the early morning and I saw a picture of a really delicious looking acai bowl. And literally that picture alone enabled me to get out of bed and go to Whole Foods at 730 in the morning 
and I bought all the things I needed to have the ideal breakfast I wanted. And it just made me feel so loved. Mm. And that's something I want to communicate to all the moms listening, that you are capable of doing what you need to do to make yourself feel loved, that we don't have to wait around for someone else to acknowledge us or appreciate us. Even though that is beautiful and I love that, sometimes we feel really depleted and we're looking to our partner or our spouse or whoever to fill us up. And that can be really powerless in terms of like feeling like you have to wait around for everyone else to hopefully fill up that cup. And I want you to know, listen, you can fill up your cup and bacon and fresh strawberries and pancakes last Saturday filled my cup up. So people say like money can't buy you happiness, but money can buy food. And (laughs) I think that's pretty dang close to happiness. Totally. The challenge though, I would say, of course, is just the hateful comments. Like I only have like about 2000 followers. And I want to say only because like I had a viral post when I announced that I was voting for Biden and I had a, that post went viral and I increased by like a thousand followers in two days. That post was amazing. Oh, thank you so much. So it's still, I'm getting used to even just having 2000 followers, but I do want to say that the hardest thing about being online and having a public image is that people feel that they have, they're entitled to tear you down. (laughs) And that's really hard. I'm still a human being. I'm still a person. And so it's just really challenging. I got a message this morning from someone that was actually really crappy. So I went on a walk to kind of like decompress. But you know, I honestly think about you. And I'm just like, you are so bold with your opinions. And I freaking love that about you. And I'm so grateful. And I'm like, she's probably getting so much hate. You know, it's funny. I don't get a ton. And it's interesting. When you said you got something this morning and went for a walk. It's interesting. Like, it either goes into one bucket or the other. Like there's the bucket that's like, I'm not even giving this the time of day and I can't, it like doesn't even touch me. Yeah. Or there's the bucket where like it does touch you and then you're like, I can't let go of it. It's one or the other. And that's a struggle for me to like the things I can't disconnect from, I really struggle disconnecting from. But then like the other one, it's a really interesting thing. And it's gotten better over time for sure. And I've been able to learn more about things being about other people and not about me for sure. But yeah, it's still like, it's not fun. And I'm careful about the conversations I engage in in certain places, and especially on Facebook, because I'm like, I know how I will react and feel if this gets ugly fast. And like, is that worth my energy? And sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's not. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm a definite like I have blocked so many people this year. Totally. And I know people are like, don't, that's not the right response. Like, don't just get rid of your friends. And I'm like, they're literally saying the nastiest things. And that's the thing that I think the buckets you're talking about is a great analogy because the people I don't actually know personally, I'm like block and delete. And then there's people I do know personally and their comments. Yeah, that's way trickier. It hurts so much more. And then you're like, do I block them? Because I'm going to see them at a party next weekend. So, you know, it's really, it's a trickier situation and it's part of being in the arena. So I just try to remind myself of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, Mia, this is so good. Okay. I want you to tell us about your latest offering, No Longer Last, and tell us a little bit about what that's all about. It sounds like you have a wait list for that right now. So can you share all the goodies with us? Thanks for asking. So if you go to miahemstad.com forward slash no longer last, which I know that Sarah will have all this stuff linked up for y'all, but this is my new offering. I already did a launch and it went really well where I basically provide a private Facebook group and group coaching to empower and encourage women to stop making themselves last on the to-do list. Like I really want women to start taking their power back by taking care of themselves. So the basis of the program is doing one simple thing for yourself every day to nourish yourself. And I say nourish because I think self-care is just really overused now, even though I love the word, but nourishing kind of- I love nourishment. Thanks. Like you need to feel recharged. So the reason why I love that word too is because I think now that self-care is so often talked about, people have this automatic response in their mind of what self-care is. And like, well, I don't have time or money for a manicure and pedicure, Mia. And it's like, I'm not talking about that kind of self-care. I'm talking about what does your body, mind, soul need to feel nourished today? So because this is only the second launch that I'm moving into, which like I was saying earlier, like I wanted to launch it last week, but I'm going a little bit slower because of my PTSD and I want to make sure I'm showing up for people as full and as good as I can be. I'm thinking it's going to reopen in mid-November or early December. So just get on the wait list. I communicate via email almost every week and provide goodies in there. But I'm really going to simplify the program to have like a great track for you to keep track of your your nourishing. I call it celebrate yourself because we're not about feeling bad if we miss a day. The thing I want women to understand is like we are unlearning decades of beliefs, like decades of societal conditioning that 
the right thing is to put yourself last. And when you become a mother, it's loving to forget yourself. It's loving to put your husband first or your partner first or your wife first or your kids first. And that's the right thing to do. I like had to stop going to playgrounds and play dates because of all the moms like comparing to do lists, like who was more exhausted than the other? Yes. It was like a badge of honor. And I'm like, I like, it's the busy badge. I did a whole episode on it. <laughs> oh, my word. I'm sick of the busy badge. And I'm like, I'm done with this. And I'm like, I went to a bar class or something. I'm like, I'm going to go take advantage of this free bar class. I'm not going to. And I was around women who were completely different. They were all cheering themselves on for taking time out of their day to go exercise for an hour. And I thought, I didn't know there were women like this. And that's camaraderie versus comparison, right? Like you're building camaraderie around something that's like fueling all of you versus all of you sitting and comparing notes about who has it worse or yes. how someone else is doing something and or talking about other people or whatever. Exactly. And so it made me realize that because we are still living in this society that, you know, praises people who are burnt out, I realize it's very important to have a space where people are not about that life. And we are encouraging you and actually cheering you on when you say, I left the laundry on the couch and I went to my favorite coffee shop with a book that had nothing to do with personal development. And I just read it. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I want there to be a space where we're like, good for you, girl. Or someone's like, I didn't do the dishes last night. And I took an hour long bath and said, and watched my favorite crime drama. I'm gonna be like, good for you, girl. Like we need a space like that bar class really inspired me. I was like, being around women, who make this not only okay, but good yes. is so vital to us returning to that because it's so easy to slide back into this mentality to put ourselves last. And I think that that is a lie that is keeping us burnt out. And I think that connects so much with my social justice activism. I didn't introduce this, but you'll say it in the bio later, but I am a full-time social justice activist. I work on paid family leave policies. And I think the reason why women aren't out there running for office and changing the laws of the land is because we're so tired trying to take our kids to 75 activities and have our organic dinner on the table every day and have all the laundry done and vacuum our houses, et cetera, et cetera. We are not doing the work that we want to do in the world because we're tired. And I think it's honestly systematic oppression that is keeping us this way. And that's why I think it's powerful to put yourself first. It's powerful to make it a normal part of your life. Like, and if you have to join a coaching program that you've spent money on to motivate yourself to go do something for you, I mean, we all know we pay attention to what we pay for. And so if you have to do that to show up for yourself and go, okay, I gotta, I structured around 90 day, I'd have like quarterly themes. So for 90 days, you're gonna show up for yourself in small ways and big ways. And what does that look like? And honestly, what I've learned from the first launch is a lot of women, that was actually too quick. They were like, I don't even know what I need. And so now I, I created this whole nother workshop to supplement the program where we go into all of this stuff about the beliefs that are making you feel bad about self-care and assessing your needs, like really just facilitating people, figuring out what they want and need in life. Because again, like we were saying earlier, people have no idea. And so I'm like, okay, every time I launch, I'm going to get better and better at facilitating this experience and helping women get to the end goal of making nourishing yourself like just a normal part of your life that doesn't require so much mental upheaval. Yes, yes. Amen. So good. Okay, so to get on the wait list, they go to miahemstad.com slash no longer allowed. I'm going there right now. Yes. Okay, so here's the wait list. So I'm going to have this linked up in the show notes. And then I also have your Facebook and Instagram to be linked up. So you're at Mia Hemstad on both of those places as well. Is that correct? Yes. And also my YouTube channel is linked up as well um, in the form. And it's something that I kind of put on the back burner as I've been navigating this year, but I am really feeling the tug to just get on there again and start sharing like the in-between, you know, not, we always like to show up when we're at the top of the mountain, but as you know, I'm like, no, I'm going to share how I'm doing right now with all of you and hopefully be able to find some solidarity with some other people out there in the world. So yes, I love it. Okay. Last question. In what way are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? I have been shamelessly taking care of myself and taking naps and having to do it even more than I normally do because of the PTSD. And, you know, as a Enneagram 3, I've been, you know, having to really face that. Um, oh, my gosh. I needed this to be a three-hour interview. Keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can tell you're a 3, too. I, but I don't – I test as a 2, but I'm really, really thinking I'm more of a 3. But I don't – keep going. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. 
fine. You're fine. So the hardest part has been shamelessly saying, hey, to my boss, I need to take this day off. I know there's a lot of important things to do and the world needs to be saved, but I need to take a break. And she's fantastic. I have one of the most incredible bosses in the world. And that's another reason why women need to be in charge. Okay. Like, hello, she's a mom, she gets it. So that's been a huge shift for me. And let me tell you, it's uncomfortable, but I know that discomfort is gonna just make it easier and easier and easier to get better at asking for what I need and not feeling bad about it, so. I love it. Oh my gosh, Mia, this has been so fantastic. I'm so excited. I had so much fun, thank you. I know, oh, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm gonna have everything linked up in the show notes so people can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Mia Hemstad. We'll have everywhere where people can connect with you. I also linked to the book that you mentioned, Radical Acceptance. Oh, awesome, yes. And just thank you for being here. You are amazing, you're doing such great work and it has such deep impact even on the hard days. So thank you for always showing up so authentically as you. Thank you and thank you for this platform that you built and the work that you do because as a baby content creator myself, like (sighs) I see all that you've built, all these podcast episodes you've produced and I'm just so impressed and I know that takes tenacity and perseverance and so I wanna thank you for your work, Sarah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.